Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you all. If you haven't met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you. If you've got a Bible, could you go to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 towards the end of your Bible. Um, Just as a... um, a reminder for you, or just to let you know, we um, started in January, we started the Life's Playlist series going through the Psalms of Ascent. We did a bunch of them. We haven't forgotten them. Next week, we're going to go back into that so we can finish that. I think, off the top of my head, I think it's Psalm 129 next. So if you want to have a little read of that, heads up for next Sunday, you can do that. But what we're going to do today is um, we're going to carry on with our God Shepherd series. Now, two weeks ago, um, I shared um, sort of a reminder of our vision, where we're going as a church. We do that at the beginning kind of each term, three times a year, just to remind us who we are, who God's called us, what God's called us to do, where we're going, those kind of things. If you haven't listened to that one, please could you catch up. Plus, last week, I did the first part of this God Shepherd series, which I'll conclude today, short one, only two weeks. Um, but if you haven't heard either of those, I encourage you, please listen to them um, just to catch up where we're going in this season, particularly in the appointment of elders and what that means to us. But let me give you a quick recap for those of you who have missed it or are still trying to remember it. What I talked about at the vision sermon was um, about the leadership of the church and kind of how we work it. So if we can put up our logo and I talked about the um, three kind of teams that we have that help lead the church and we broke them down um, and there were the elders Uh, the leadership team and the directors, which are all there. And if you split them out, we've got three teams. The leadership team is um, one we've had in place since day one, the blue one at the bottom there. They're the operational team. They're the team that basically get things done, keep us moving, making sure everything's working as a church. Then we have the directors, which are our legal and financial leaders who basically make sure that we're doing everything above board and all our finances are in order and the accounts with the charity committee, etc., 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 are all happening. And then we've got child protection policies in place and everything like that. So they do that. And the final one there is the elders, which we haven't had in place since the church began. That was about eight years ago we started. Um, but it's something we've been working towards since day one. Um, and due to various reasons with oversight and stuff, that it's just been delayed. But we're here now. And what I uh, announced a couple of weeks ago, that we're in a position to say that myself, Matt and Jeremy are being put forward um, to be appointed elders at the church. And what we looked at um, last week was kind of a little bit started looking at that, that theme and what that meant for us as those guys. Because the elders are the fathers and shepherds of the church. They're appointed by outside ministry, so it's not something we just do ourselves. We've been in consultation with outside ministry. Andy Martin, who's one of the elders down at Church Central in the uh, center of town, He's been helping us, praying with us on this process. And we want to put elders in place as per New Testament guidelines to shepherd and lead the church forward and make sure that everything's happening in good order. So last week I started the series and I looked particularly uh, from a passage in 1 Timothy that looked at who elders are, what kind of men should be called to be elders. And I looked at character requirements, um, about, about finances, I read out character references. If you haven't caught up with that, you can listen to that. But the thing that struck me, interestingly, and people have commented as we prayed about this in the week after, is actually that we are blessed as a church to have so many who fit those character requirements. Uh, we talked at the end of the sermon that actually it's not something just for elders, it's for all of us as believers to pursue um, good character and good practices and follow God in a godly way. 
And I remember I've talked with several people this week and actually said we've been stunned at how many people in the church fit this character requirement, particularly some of the guys. So I want to say thank you for being faithful to Jesus. Thank you for following after him. Thank you for pursuing righteousness and uh, living godly, upright lives. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage from 1 Peter, and we're going to look at what they do, what these shepherds do. So if we can put that out, I'm going to read that. Hopefully you found that. It's just a few verses from the beginning of 1 Peter 5. It says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, if I'm going to talk about shepherds, I need my crook. So, let's just go through this passage. Now, it's written by um, the Apostle Peter. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, a follower of him, knew him very well. And he was writing to the churches in what we now call Turkey, that kind of area. Um, And there's a bunch of places in there. And he was writing to them because they were experiencing an intense amount of persecution and hardship under the Roman Empire at that time. So he's writing into that situation. And he wrote this letter as an encouragement to the church. And he's saying, basically saying, keep going, remain faithful, don't quit under trial, under hardship, keep following after Jesus. And what we're going to do is just go through this passage and I want to look at five quick things about what Peter says in reference to shepherds, and we apply that to elders, and then we apply that uh, to our lives. So the first thing is an exhortation from a fellow shepherd. He begins, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. He's basically saying, I'm in this with you. He doesn't put himself over and above them, which Peter, I think, had every right to do. He was there at the beginning. He was one of the first disciples called by Jesus. He saw the stuff that we read about. He walked on water. He saw Lazarus rise from the dead. He saw Jesus rise from the dead. He was there when the Holy Spirit came and he preached at Pentecost and thousands decided to follow Jesus. He was the guy. He's the one who's like, if anyone you think in the early church, who do you want to hang out with? Peter would be up there, top two, along with probably the Apostle Paul. Like, I want to learn with him. I want to hang out with him, what he's doing. But he says to them, he says, I exhort you, the elders among you, as a fellow elder. He says, I, he's just, he realizes he's on the same level as them. He's not more superior to them. He realizes all that we have is from the grace of God. It's not because we've earned it, because we're better, we're smarter. Heaven knows Peter knows that, because if you read his story, he, he right royally messed up at certain points. And they're recorded in our Bible for eternity, for everyone to remember. So he knows that it's all by grace. He's got what he's got. He says, I'm with you in this. And he says, I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ. He saw it firsthand. He saw what happened to Jesus at his death on the cross. And the horror that that would have been. Roman execution was the one, is probably still is the most horrific form of execution ever devised. 
It was horrific what they did to the victims of it. And Jesus went through that. I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark in my own times, and I've literally read this morning about the kind of the crucifixion and what it meant and dwelt on that. And Peter said, I'm a witness to that. I saw that. And he used that to say, what you guys are going through, I know what this is like. I've seen it firsthand. Peter's experienced it himself. I'm with you. I'm a witness to that suffering. But he also says, looking back to the suffering, he says he looks forward. But I'm also a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Because he knows it's tough now. It's hard now. What you're going through is difficult now. I know. I've witnessed it in Christ. I'm experiencing it. But I know what's coming in the future. I know there is something coming that is better. There is a future glory that we have to look forward to. Christ died, saw that. Christ rose again, saw that. Christ ascended into heaven, saw that. But guess what? He's coming back. He's coming back and there is going to be a future glory. And he's charging, particularly the leaders there, the elders of the church, saying, I know what it's like. I've been where you are. I know what it's like to go through suffering, but I know I'm looking forward to to the glory. And I know in those hard times we can look forward to. And I know for, as a church here, I know many of you, I've walked with many of you over the years, and I know you've gone through hardship and disappointment and trial and struggle. And I know in those times you've had to look forward. You've had to look to Jesus and say, God, help me in this presence, and I know what's coming, and I want to commend you and say thank you for being faithful to Jesus. It is an incredible thing. And Peter begins by saying to the elders that leader of the church, I know what that's like. I'm with you in it. I'm right there. I've been through it. I've seen it. But we keep going because we know what's coming. We know what's ahead. And then he says, second thing, he says very clearly, he says, verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Okay, let's quickly look at those. First one he says is shepherd. He uses this biblical image. It's a powerful biblical image. You can trace it all the way from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament. We see the shepherd comes up again and again. Many famous characters in the Bible that we know kept sheep were shepherds. Abraham, Moses, David, all shepherds at various points in their life. They looked after flocks. Even Jesus himself described himself as the good Shepherd. It's something that is imbued with honor um, from the point of, um, point of view of the Bible. Who were the first people to see the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? It was the shepherds. They were out on the hills. They come in, the angels said, go look. You'll see the birth of the Messiah, the one who's promised. The shepherds came. And what does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd leads the flock. The flock follow him. The shepherd leads them and takes them to places where there's food and water, pasture that they can eat and drink. The shepherd protects the flock from predators, wild animals, thieves, those who would seek to steal and take them. This is a dangerous thing. It can mean actually the shepherd laying down their lives, trying to protect the sheep from outside influence. The shepherd cares for the flock, makes sure they're healthy and they're going, kind of all going together. The one that's missing, the shepherd goes and finds them. The lost one, whoa, whoa, you should be over here Running over there, you get into danger. The shepherd warns the flock of the, the of possible things that are coming on. They say, don't go down there. Don't go there. You get lost. You get stuck. Don't do those things. The shepherd also adds to the flock, goes and seeks others. Come join the flock. You should be over here. You should be part of this. You should be part of what God's doing here. It is a difficult, dangerous job. It exposes to hardship, trial. It makes you a target for the enemy. How do you take out something? First thing you do is you take out the leadership. That's military strategy 101. <laughs> you want to defeat an enemy army, find the general, kill him. That will throw him into dis- disarray. The same with God's church. 
It can be lonely and it can be a thankless task. But they are called, elders are called to shepherd the flock. But it also says, what's the next thing? It says it's God's flock, the flock of God. It doesn't belong to them. One of the most important things that we can have, which has been demonstrated in our offering, is that all that we have doesn't belong to us. All of it belongs to God. We are merely stewards of that. Everything you have, your home, your car, your food, your relationships, it's all God's. And the same in the role of leadership in the church for elders, for anyone in pastoral leadership. They're not yours. They're God's sheep. You are merely taking care of them. You are responsible to God for them, but they're not yours. They're not something you possess, not something that you own. The next thing he says is, it's God's flock, but he says particularly that is among you. What he's making the point there is you're not responsible for every Christian on the face of the planet. The elders, you're responsible for the ones God's given you right here, right now. Those are your, one, your charge. Care for them. Not the, the people in another country, not the church down the road. You're not responsible. They've got their own shepherds. You are to shepherd the flock that is among you. And so for us here at Real Life Church, the elders are responsible for those who call this place home. From the youngest all the way up to the oldest. Everybody we're responsible for. Those who parts of other church come visitors, you have your own shepherds and they should be responsible for you. But that is what they are. And the last thing it says there, they are to exercise oversight. What is that? That is responsible, uh, watchful care. They are to be looking out to making sure everything and everyone is okay. We have a leadership team that kind of gets stuff done and they have many other people who lead ministries and teams in the church who get stuff done and they're excellent at it. But the, the elders said about that, and just making sure everyone's being cared for, everyone's being looked after, making sure everything is working, and that's what they do. They don't do it all, because heavens, they couldn't. <laughs> There's just not enough uh, time in the day to do that. But they're just to maintain everything that is going on. The way we kind of sum it up here, we use the Ds just to help us kind of put that in order. What does that mean? Well, what, do the, what do the shepherds do? They're responsible for doctrine, which is what we believe about something. What is it we believe about this or that? We search the scriptures, we read the Bible, we pray, this is what we believe. They're responsible for discipline. How do we handle this sin? When sin comes into the flock and this is going on in someone's life, how do we handle that? How do we lovingly call them to repent, change their ways, bring them back, making sure, restore them to God? We're responsible for delegation in senior roles. Who's going to lead this particular ministry? Who's going to take this on? Who do we, we seek God and we pray? Who's the right person for this job? And then work that through with them. What about direction? Elders are the ones responsible. Are we going where God's called us to? Or are we veering off on some side thing that's not relevant? What's our call in God? We should be following that. They're responsible for discipleship. How are we growing as discipleship? How's community going? Are we reading our Bibles? Are we praying? Are we, are we uh, you know, doing the spiritual disciplines that we're doing? Are we caring for one another? Are we growing? Are we going deeper into Jesus? And the final one, devotion. How are we praying and worshipping as a church? How are we kind of serving God and glorifying him in our lives? Next one, how to shepherd. It says, verse, end of verse 2, verse 3, it says, Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, but not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. First one, you do it by choice. Elders lead and shepherd by choice. It is a joyful service. It's not something you are talked into. It's not something you are compelled into. It's not something someone puts a gun to your head and makes you an office you cannot refuse. It's not someone like someone twists your arm up behind your back 
you will do this. Someone browbeats you and shames you and guilts you into doing it. No, it's something that you do willingly, not under compulsion. Instead, they choose to volunteer. They choose to put their hands up. They choose to step forward and say, I will do this. I will serve. I will be here. I will do what it takes. I will give my life to serving others in God's church. And it says at the end, as God would have you. Sacrificial service, just like Jesus, who ultimately, as the good shepherd, what did he do? He laid down his life for the sheep. That's the model. That's what we follow, that ultimately, if it means it, we give up our life to serve the church. And in places in the world, that's literally what it means. We have a privilege in this country. We haven't got there yet, but who knows what the future holds. But that's what the elders do. They do it by choice. The next thing it says, not for what they can get out of it. The phrase it uses in my Bible is not for shameful gain. <laughs> when you go and get a job and applied for a new job, what's usually the first thing you look at? <laughs> salary. How much are you going to pay me? After the salary come the perks and the benefits. How much holiday, company car, you know, what's, the, what's my cut on the profits, etc. Share options, etc. Et You've all got those things. What, what you look for first? No. Elders, not like that at all. That's not how you do it. It's not, you, don't, you don't do it for what's in it. We're not even paying to them anyway, so there's not much, there's not much in it there anyway. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is you, never, you don't go into it for the money. You don't give it what you can get out. You don't give, go in for the rank or the status or I can do this, I get to sit here, I get to be this. People get to look at me in a certain way. Isn't that wonderful? No, that's the complete opposite of what it means to shepherd the flock. Not for shameful game. It says, but eagerly. Eagerly, what can they serve? As John F. Kennedy wonderfully put it, ask not what you can do for your church. No, ask not what your church do for you, but what you can do for your church. Get that right. <laughs> Paraphrasing him. That's the attitude of elder. What can I give? How can I serve? What can I do for you? How can I make your life easier? How can I help you love Jesus more? How can I help you follow Jesus more closely? How can I help you grow and become more like Jesus? What can I do to make your life fuller in God. That's the role of an elder. They're the ones who are first in, last out, go the extra mile, making everything and everyone follow Jesus the best of their abilities. And the last thing he says there, they are servant examples. It says not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That domineering phrase, it means overbearing, tyrannical, harsh, kind of the idea of giving orders, pulling rank, that sort of attitude, which is quite prevalent in the world, in hierarchies, in companies uh, and the like, but actually that's the opposite of how elders should act, the opposite of the way Jesus acted. And it says you should be examples, servants to the flock. Actually, you're there to help others, to serve others, to take the lowest position. And our example in Jesus is uh, magnificently displayed when Jesus, I think it's John 13, when before he's about to be betrayed and crucified, he got down and he washed the disciples' feet. He took the position of the lowest servant of all the servants. The lowest one was the one who had to wash the guest's feet because it was a mucky, horrible job and, and no one wanted to do it. But Jesus willingly did, took it, took off his outer garment, it said, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. That's the role of the shepherd. That's how we go about shepherding the flock, by serving and loving and putting their needs above our own. The fourth one, we're to look to the chief shepherd. 
look to the chief shepherd. It says in verse 4, it says, um, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It doesn't say who the chief shepherd is. Who do we think the chief shepherd is? Jesus. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Peter knew him personally. And when he talks to shepherds, this is what you're doing. This is responsible. There is one who is above all of us. Whatever role, responsibility you have in your life, your home, church, there is one who sits above. And he is the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his flock. We've seen that back in verse 1. He's the one who rules over it all. He's the one who's in charge ultimately, and we're all his sheep. And he's the greatest example of what a shepherd could ever be. He's the one who led and fed and cared and corrected and nurtured and trained his disciples over several years. And then ultimately, at the end of all, he died for them. He gave up his life for them. He is rightly referred to as the chief shepherd. And he's the one who made a way. He's the one who made a way that we could become sheep of that flock. He's the one who came to earth. He was God the Son, fully man, fully God. He lived that perfect life. He died the death in our place for our sin so that we could be reconciled to God. He, he made a way so we could be one of the sheep of God's flock. If we repent of our sins, we turn we choose to follow him, we put our faith and trust in what he did, we then become part of God's flock. And if you're here and you know that's not you, God, we'd love to pray with you and talk about what that means. If you are here and we've got something to do, then we look to him as an example. He's one we follow. He's one we model ourselves after. He's the one we seek to live like and be like. But then he then commanded us. He commanded us to live a certain way and do certain things and live a certain life which is what we looked at last week in those character comments. This is a, a way that I want you to live because this is the best for you. This is the way that life works the best. I know because I made it. I built you. I designed all this. So this is how you should live. But then he points to, ahead at the end and he says, actually, there's going to be an unfading crown of glory because he knows one day Jesus is returning. Peter himself watched Jesus go to heaven. He stood on that mountaintop with all the others and he watched Jesus disappear into the cloud. He then saw the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost, fell on him. The church was born. Thousands became Christians and decided to follow him. But he knows that one day Jesus is returning. He knows Jesus is one day coming back. And he's saying to them, actually, he's saying to the elders there, he's saying to anyone who's listening, there is something coming that is far greater than this world. There is something coming that is so much better than you can experience in this world. There is something coming that is unfading, he said, which means it's eternal, which means it will never break down, it will never rust, it will never lose its luster, it will never lose its appeal. It will be glorious and heavenly forever. And that is coming for all who serve, for all who follow Jesus. It is a wonderful thing. And so to the elders, to the church, he says, look to him. Follow him. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one above everything. And no matter how tough it is now, that's what we look to. Because that will surpass everything that is going on. And then finally, we have the response to the shepherds. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The response to servant leadership is joyful submission. This always starts and ends with God. That's how we respond to him. He is the one who's over us. He is the one who's over all things. As his people, we respond in joyful submission. 
We love to follow Jesus. We love to obey his commands because we know ultimately it's good for us. It's the way he wants the world to run. It's the way he's put it together. So we, we joyfully do it. But P- Peter there says to those who follow the elders in the church, he says, you too, be subject to those who are over you. Be subject to those who are in authority over you. And that's actually a theme throughout the whole Bible, throughout the whole New Testament. Um, Paul says it in Romans about being a... Th- um, being subject to governments and authorities over you, whatever God authorities God's put over you, be subject to it. Unless it directly contradicts the Bible, we should be listening to the authority that God has put in place over us. And the elders are shepherds of God's church, and the response to the church is to faithfully and graciously submit and follow. Now, this is born out of relationship. This is not born out of imposition, which is why when we... Um, uh, do the joining at the church and come to find out we run something called I Am Real Life Church which actually meets in my home with Melanie and I so people can come and get to know us a little bit chat to us, talk to us, we'll talk to you about the church if you've got any questions, ask them come and be amongst us, come and join our life groups we really push the life group and say get in a life group because then you get to know people you get to feel what's happening in this family and they say do you want to become part of it, do you want to join us do you want to come where we're going and you get to then make a choice joyfully say yeah i'll submit i'm going to come where you're going i want to be on this journey with you i want to be doing and that's what if you're here and you're part of the church that's in essence what you have done and then peter finishes by talking to everyone interesting he says clothe yourself now if you're going to clothe yourself thankfully as far as i can tell you're all clothed thank you very much for remembering that if you clothe yourself you cover yourself in something it goes with you wherever you go all right? So you've got clothes on. That's great. So what's he, what does he say? Clothe yourself. He says, clothe yourself. Brilliant. So I, I want something that's covering me, that's all over me. And wherever I go, I take it. And then he says, all of you. Okay. Well, that doesn't just mean the elders anymore. That means, that's everyone. That's the elders and everyone else in the church. That's everyone. It's a blanket appeal. All of you, clothe yourself with what? Humility towards one another. Humility, he says. Humility is thinking of yourself rightly doesn't mean thinking of yourself too highly. And the converse that we don't talk about quite as much is thinking of yourself too low. So something that wouldn't be, humili- uh, wouldn't be uh, humble or show humility if you, you think yourself too highly. I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I've got more money than you. I'm more clued up. I read my Bible more. I'm just, I'm better than you. Man, you guys are just, you know, low-level Christians. I'm functioning up here, top level, level 10 Christian. I've got the stuff, you know, and my Bible's thicker than yours. You know, it's just, I'm there. You know, I've got highlights in it. You know, I'm, I'm better than you. And this can pervade into work and all sorts of life. I'm nailing it as a parent, level 10 parent. Man, my kids are doing brilliantly. And this is thinking more highly than we are. But the, the converse is, the other side is, well, actually, I'm useless. I'm rubbish. I'll never amount to anything. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm going nowhere. I've got nothing. Which is, again, is, is the same kind of thing. But it's the opposite. Actually, that's not how God thinks of you either. So, so humility is thinking rightly of yourself. Pride is both those two things. Thinking too highly and thinking too low. And we're to be humble. We're to realize who God has made us. That's why we have the Freedom in Christ course that helps you, reminds you. This is who God made you. Not that we're super, but he's amazing. And do you know what he's done to us? He's made us holy and righteous and saints and we're part of his family. I'm not guilty. I've been freed from sin. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm part of the true vine. The fruit of the Spirit are growing in me. I'm empowered to conquer sin because Jesus set me free. This is who I am. I haven't earned it, but that's what God's given to me. And that's who we're to be. And we're to exhibit that towards one another. 
So any relationship you have in church, that's how you should act towards one another. Look, looking to serve, to seek the best in them, not think of yourself more superior, I need to help you, but actually not think if you're too low that I can't possibly be of service to you, that actually I come to you humbly, what can I do to serve you? And it's reciprocated, what can I do to serve you? How do we work together? How can I bless you? How can I show Jesus to you? How can I point to Jesus in my life? Because it says there at the end, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I want more grace. I need more grace in my life. And the reality is everything we have in our life is grace. It is all gifts from God. We haven't earned it because we're better, smarter than everyone else. The job you have, car you drive, school your kids go to isn't because you're smarter or better than anyone else. It's because God's grace is on you. Because ultimately it all comes from him. The only reason I lead this church is because God chose me. Not because I'm better and smarter and more holy than you. But God, in his wisdom and mercy, to display his glory in the heavens, pick me to lead you. There's nothing more to it than that. It's just God's grace. And the fact that you're here now listening to this is because God's grace is on your life. And he loves you and he wants to pour out more to you. And our response is to be humble. Our response is to submit to them, submit to authority over them, to follow his leading in all we have. And that's where we end. Let's have some questions for us to finish couple of things. First one I want you to think about is this. Who do you shepherd? Who do you shepherd? Think about your own life. That's the easy place to start. Number one, you shepherd you. You shepherd you. You shepherd your life, the choices you make, the attitudes you have, how you work, what you do. That's all down to you. How do you who do you shepherd? What about why than that? What about your family? You might have a spouse, you might have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, parents. Who do you shepherd? What about your work, your colleagues, your subordinates, your clients, your customers, your patients, your students? Who are people in your life who you have a role to care for, look after? What about your social uh, kind of life in terms of your friends and your neighbours, people you go to clubs with and sports things and, and social activities what about in church you might have responsibilities in terms of leading one of our life groups or our kids and youth teams or other teams that we've got AV team we've got set up team worship team ministry teams of various kinds who do you shepherd first of all I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who shepherd I know many of you have great responsibilities inside this church but also way outside and all you do I want to thank you for all those who care for others all of those who take responsibility in shepherding and looking after other hearts other lives even this week um, literally in the last five days I've had conversations seeing things from people who've demonstrated uh, love and care shepherding of people around them people in their charge I've heard of work a situation where someone wrote cards of encouragement to those in their care just to encourage them build them up just, they wrote these individual ones and they just gave them out to them and said, I just want to encourage you. It was fantastic. I had an incident just the other day where someone um, came to a house with a cake, an incredible cake, by the way, which was for one of our neighbors. And they just felt they wanted to bless one of our neighbors and care for them and love them. So they mentally went around them, they knocked on the door and they gave a cake to our neighbor, blew the heck out of them. <laughs> I want to say, we love you, for you, we made you a cake. I want to just you know, bless you, care for you. Many of you parents got small children who are a delight and a nightmare at the same time most often 
some of you guys do incredible jobs loving and caring for kids under your charge. And I want to say thank you for all you do to them. But the next question then is prompted, who do you shepherd? The next one is, how do you shepherd? How do you shepherd? Fill in the blank. How are you shepherding? How are you shepherding yourself? How are you shepherding your own life? Reflect back on what we looked at last week with those character requirements, which although particularly aimed at elders, actually were relevant to all of us who are believers and followers of Jesus. How are you shepherding your own life in those areas, in the character? How are you shepherding your own life in terms of spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible and prayer? How are you doing in terms of caring and loving for those around you? How are you shepherding your own life in what you're doing and what you're not doing? How are you shepherding your marriage? If you are married, about 60% of the church, at least 65% of the church is married. How are you shepherding your marriage? What are you doing there to shepherd that, to shepherd your spouse? And a shepherd loves, cares, nurtures, protects, encourages, sometimes corrects when necessary, but seeks the good of those under their care. How are you shepherding your marriage? What about if you um, have children? They may be your children. They may be grandchildren, they may be nieces and nephews coming into your life. You may be a teacher, you may work in our kids. You, how are you shepherding the young who are around you? How are you doing in that area? What about the real big one, which is our work? Most of us have jobs of Sun Pint. We go away from here, we spend many, many hours there. How are you shepherding your responsibilities at work? Number one, as a worker yourself. It says in the Bible and in Colossians that we do everything as if we're working for God. How are you shepherding that? How are you shepherding those around you, your colleagues, those who maybe report to you, subordinates, your clients, your customers, your patients if you have them, students if you have them? How are you shepherding them? How are you shepherding the responsibilities that the workplace gives you in terms of the money and uh, and the decision-making you're doing? How are you doing in there? Can you read what we've just read today and say, actually, I want to apply some of those principles to what I'm doing there? I'm doing it willingly, not out of compulsion. <laughs> That's always a tough one, isn't it, at work, isn't it? I'm doing this eagerly. I'm not domineering over those in my charge, but I am lovingly serving them and praying desperately that they joyfully submit to me. But that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to do it. What about though if you're in the church? You've got responsibility here with us. Thank you for all of you who serve so beautifully amongst us. How are you shepherding those in your care here? And what you're doing here. What about your friends, your work, uh, friends, your neighbors, people around? How are you doing that? How are you caring, nurturing, loving, leading them, celebrating them, being good to them as much as you can? I'm just going to, I've got a few moments. I'm just going just gonna to pray. Ask you to close your eyes. I think Holy Spirit might just be dropping stuff into your hearts, minds now. I'm just going to pray that God would, one, encourage you in what you're doing. I want you to hear that, that the encouragement of God for all your responsibilities, he is pleased with you, he loves you, he is for you, he wants good for you in your workplace, in your home, in your marriage, whatever it is, God is for you, he loves you. But I feel there's a sense that God is going to drop some things in and you're going to be like, okay, that's what I need to do in that situation. Maybe that's how I need to shepherd just there, that particular moment. That's that's what I need to say to them. That's maybe what I need to do to them over there. 
So Holy Spirit of God, we pray you come now, sent by the chief shepherd. Lord, we pray you come in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray you lead us on. Lord, we want to hear your encouragement this morning. We want to hear your affirmation of us. We want to be men and women filled with your spirit, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray you give us ears to hear and hearts to open how you want us to shepherd what's in our care, what's in our responsibility, who we have the responsibility to look after. And so come now and just, yeah, open our hearts, open our minds to what those are for your glory. Amen. Amen. If you feel God's done something, the one thing I can encourage you to do, the most important thing, was two really, but the first one, write it down. Just write it down. If, when you write something down, you're, even if you never look again, you're more likely to remember it. And number two is tell someone. Just tell them, this is what God said to me. Just this thing. One line. doesn't have to be a big old long spiel prayer session. Just say, this is the one thing God spoke to me. This is how I need to shepherd more in this situation. Last one. The elders. It's my conviction before God that myself, Matt and Jeremy have been called to be shepherds of this flock. And we are to serve you by being shepherds, by watching over you, by bringing that care, by giving our lives to you and what that means uh, for us. And so I submit ourselves to you. We've had three weeks now kind of where we've sort of looked at this and uh, we've got a plan to move us forward, um, kind of a what's next. We've had, we've had one day of prayer and fasting We've actually got two more. The next one's on the 21st of May. I'll remind you again where we're going to pray in the evening together. But I encourage those who can to pray uh, and fast during the day and give ourselves over to this sort of whole process and pray for us as a church and pray for protection in this and pray for God's leading and God's guidance in this. So please put those dates in your diary. The next one, I think, is the 11th of June. That's what we're going to do. So there's only going to be three of them. We've had one of them. We've got a sermon series, which we've now completed. If you missed any of it, Please go back and catch up. Please don't see that as an onerous add-on. Please just do that joyfully and listen to those ones just so you're all on the same page. We've all heard the same things. I've given it to you as a church now um, to, for your consensus uh, and approval on this. Um, myself and the outside ministry and the leadership of the church are all in complete agreement on this process, but we need to hear uh, from you as well. There's an email address. It will um, appear behind me that I've asked all members of the church here to respond to. You have one week left now. I will close that email address next Sunday. Um, so please send us something in. We've had a bunch of responses so far, all really positive and encouraging. Thank you so much for them. Um, but I encourage you, if you haven't, you've heard it all now. You can ask me some questions, but I want you to write it down. Everything you write down will be collated into one long Word document, which I will mail to the leadership of the church and to Andy Martin. So he's read it all, just so we're being accountable on that. And then on the 23rd of June, we'll have an appointment here where Andy and Heather Martin will be with us. Andy will preach. Uh, we'll pray uh, for the families of those uh, involved, lay on hands, and then we're going to have a church lunch afterwards with Domino pizzas. So it's worth coming for that Sunday even just for the dominoes. Um, so that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Um, and so I'm going to close. So do you want to stand? And I want to finish by coming back to Jesus. <laughs> because it's all about him. Everything we do, all that we are, ultimately comes back to Jesus. And he's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one who ultimately we look for 
for all our needs, all our care, everything we have. So I'm just going to pray, and then the band are going to play and lead us in some time, and we'll see what God has to say to us. So maybe you just want to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, I want to thank you that you came to earth. Lord, I want to thank you that you lived the life you did. I want to thank you that you made that claim and then you backed it up with actions. Lord, I want to thank you that you led and cared for those followers. Then ultimately, you died for them. And you died for us too. It wasn't just for them. It was also for us that we may become the sheep of your flock. (laughs) That's the only way we get to do it. We don't get to do it by effort or church attendance or hitting some points. We only do it by putting our faith and trust in you, Lord. And I thank you for your grace on our lives for that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you watch over us, Lord. And I pray and ask the church that you would come and fill us with your spirit now, that we would be a church who love you, honor you, seek to follow you all the days of our life. Lord, we submit everything we're doing to you and say, come have your way with us. Lead us, guide us, govern us, guard us at this time. Lord, I pray you have your hand on this process particularly on the families, those involved, their marriages, their children. The enemy would love to come and seek and kill and destroy. Lord, but we trust them and this church to you, knowing that you are the one who watches over us and keeps us safe. Lord Jesus, we pray now as we come to worship you, singing and gifts and other things. God, we pray you fill us with your spirit that we may put our eyes on you above everything. And Lord Jesus, we say we love you and we praise you. And God's people said, Amen.